The Acunet Mortgage and Realty Show is sponsored by Acunet Mortgage, an equal housing lender, NMLS ID 255368, and Acunet Realty Advisors, which is a separate company from but still affiliated with Acunet Mortgage. Welcome to the Acunet Mortgage and Realty Show, getting you inside information on buying, selling, and financing your home with expert advice from Acunet Mortgage and Realty's Brian Wickert on WTMJ. Welcome to the Acunet Mortgage and Realty Show. I'm Brian Wickert, the president and owner of Acunet Mortgage and Acunet Realty Advisors. Here today, along with our senior vice president, senior loan consultant, and owner, Jerry Sirkatich. Jerry, welcome. Thank you. Great to be back. Oh, yeah. You're, it's been too long. You've done long. this show more times than anybody else except for me. That's right. Um, and if you've got a comment or a text that you want to share with us, you can call the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line, which is 414-799-1620. All right. So I want to connect up the moon landing 50th anniversary yesterday with mortgage lending and housing. And here's how we're going to do it. Yesterday, as you know, Jerry, at 9.58 p.m. Central Time is the time and day that uh, uh, Neil Armstrong first yes. set foot on the moon. What were, how old were you in 1969 in July, Jerry? I was at, uh, turning two in September. So All right, so you probably don't months. have, you probably don't have a memory of that then. <laughs> but I, do. I was at my cousin Paul, who's been on the show of Accurite Tax Service. I was at his birthday party. And so we watched that huddled around the black and white TV in Aunt Audrey and Uncle Frank's basement. All right, so in 1969, uh, 50 years ago, the rate on a 30-year fixed-rate mortgage was 7.99%. That's according to Freddie Mac. The median new home price. All right, so I asked Libby this before the show began. The median new home price was $26,800. So with 20% down and a couple of other assumptions about property taxes and insurance. The monthly payment, principal interest, property taxes, and homeowners insurance in 1969 to buy a new home would be $197 a month. That sounds ridiculously small, doesn't it? It, it does, although 26800 yeah, people the are, price. most are paying more than that for their car. Today. Yeah, oh, yeah, think about that. All right, now um, buckle your seatbelts now. Oh, by the way, the median income. This is going to sound really small. In 1969, it was $9,430. That's a whopping $768 gross per month. Uh, so the average family or the median family would be spending 25% of their gross income on their monthly housing payment. Um, and that happened to be the standard. When I first got in the mortgage business, you said, how much home can I afford? The rule was, well, 25% of your income gross can go towards your housing payment and then when you add your car payment or credit cards or whatever else then 33 percent so 25 percent and 33 percent were the standards and how that's changed oh well just wait I, I can kind of explain why because if you fast forward then to 1999 that's the year that i got into my ford taurus and drove to madison to register acunet mortgage as a limited liability company and get our mortgage banking license and that'll be a week from now, July yes. 28th, um, 1999, the 30-year fixed rate was very similar than it was to what it was 30 years earlier, 7.63%. That's if you were willing to pay one point. Uh, median home price, however, 
skyrocketed to $158,200. That's six times more than it was in 1969. Median income rose to just under 41000 So while the price of a house went up sixfold, incomes only went up 4.3 times during that same time period. That means now, if you look at the monthly payment for that uh, uh, house, they would have to um, pay $1,100. That is 33% of their gross monthly income. And what did, the de- <laughs> what did the debt-to-income ratio standard grow to, Jerry? Well, I mean, 36. 36 and, now, 33, and, and, and beyond, right? Correct. All right, so um, that's different. So now, all of a sudden, in 1999, the median-priced uh, home purchased by the median income family, they have to spend a third of their income instead of a quarter. Now, flash forward to today, July 2019, uh, the survey rate from Freddie Mac this last week for a 30-year fix was 3.81%. Again, if you're willing to pay some fraction of a point. Six-tenths. Six-tenths of a point. And uh, the median new home price now, Jerry, is just over 326000 326400 Right. If you put 20% down, the monthly payment on that now would be $1,708. That includes principal and interest, property taxes, and insurance. Remember, the number back in 1999 was 1100 Way back in 1969, it was $197. It sounds incredible, doesn't it? But median, so I want to point out the median home price doubled from 158 to 326 more than doubled. Median income has not doubled. It went from that forty-one thousand dollars back in nineteen ninety-nine when we started acting it. It's only gone up forty percent now to just under fifty-eight thousand dollars. So if we do that affordability calculation, uh, a median income earning family now has to spend thirty-six percent of their gross income to afford the median new construction home. Okay. I did one other quick thing. I, I looked at. Existing home prices. So remember, the new home median price right now in America is around three hundred twenty-six thousand. Mm-hmm. Uh, an existing home for May, according to the National Association of Realtors, was two hundred seventy-eight thousand dollars. So about a fifty thousand dollar difference between buying an existing home and a new home. Yeah. Uh, so if we look at the median income earning person buying the median existing home, well, now they only have to spend thirty percent of their gross income if they put 20% down. If they put 10% down, they're spending 35%. If they put 5% down, they're spending 37% of their gross income. Mm-hmm. So this is what you call a housing affordability problem, folks. And, you know, it's something that's real and uh, is challenging uh, for our industry and home builders, too. All right, so when we come back from this first break, Jerry, let's talk a little bit about whether people should wait until the Fed cuts rates on July 31st, because everybody knows they're going to cut them, just a matter right. of how much. Should they wait, or should they take what's on the table right now? You're listening to the Accurate Mortgage and Realty Show on AM620 WTMJ. Don't just find a house, find your home. Here's more of the Accurate Mortgage and Realty Show with Brian Wickert on WTMJ. So we're just talking about how much home prices and interest rates have changed over the last 20 and 50 years. Uh, one other little nugget that I forgot to mention is if rates today were the same as they were in just 1999, in the mid-7s, instead of at 3.8-something, uh, the median 
income earning family would be spending 49% of their gross income to buy the median price new home. Wow. So thank goodness rates are low. Hey, maybe that's a reason why the Fed's going to keep rates low. And so what are we looking like, Jerry? That you could know, be. What, what's, what are the chances right now of the Fed lowering rates on, on July 31st? The probability of that still stands at 100%. What? What? 100%. 100%. What, what happened this last week? Though? Well, the last week we had some positive economic data, which... As we know, we talk about a lot, good economic news, generally bad news for mortgage rates. Yeah. But here we had uh, two major uh, economic uh, reports for retail sales and manufacturing data okay. that far exceeded expectation. So the economy's doing better than people thought that it would be. Exactly. Kind of all year. That would be considered good news for the economy, which would have been bad for rates. Exactly. How bad was it for rates? It, it really wasn't. Rates ultimately ended up the week essentially where they were the previous week. Okay. And in large part, that's because one of the Fed uh, uh, governors, uh, the New York uh, the New York Fed, uh, Fed president. John Williams. John Williams came out and, and made some what was considered speech. dovish comments oh, in a speech, alluding to reasons why they believe, I think he said it's better to take preemptive action. We start to see bad economic, uh, potential bad economic news rather than wait too long. Okay. Is essentially what he was saying. So how, what and, did the market uh, interpret that as? Well, the market interpreted it as uh, the, possibi the possibility grew for a 50 uh, basis point cut. A half percent a cut. A half a rate. percent cut, which caused our, uh, it was an equalizer, let's say, okay. to the to positive the, oh, economic okay. news. Okay. So essentially, the, you, you mentioned uh, and alluded to the Fed, uh, or no, the Freddie Mac surveyed yeah. weekly rate, 3.81. Right. The previous week, 3.75. So not e huge, but Essentially the same. But the headline reads, you know, rates head up, mm -hmm, um, even mm -hmm. though it's 0.06%. So bottom line, interest rates remain rather stable in light of a lot of a lot of moving parts a lot of moving parts that could lead to more volatility than we've seen all right so let me pretend i'm a customer and i'm calling up i clicked on the blue button i say well jerry you know uh shouldn't i wait until the fed cuts rates later this month to lock in a rate i mean why would i want to lock in today when i know there's a hundred percent chance they're cutting uh, in just uh, less than two weeks maybe the number one question that we hear uh, right, among recently, all right, uh, loan right. consultants, you, uh, yeah, indeed, especially with the the 100% probability on July 31st that the Fed is going to cut rates by a quarter, potentially half. And the, the fact of the matter is, as you talk about you know, regularly, the it is a foregone conclusion in terms of the market expectation that the Fed is going to make this cut. So and do I wait or do I go? And so so to wait, your risk, your risk is greater to wait than to lock and take advantage of today's rates because of the fact that if the Fed follows through on expectation, yep. that will essentially just be a non-event. Okay. Okay. So, so that's, is that already reflected in that, today's rates? So that meaning, yeah, that is already reflected in today's rates. So the oh. risk would be if the Fed doesn't follow through, okay. that would send rates up, up and... Probably sharply. I mean, and, and by that I mean maybe could be an, at least an eighth to a quarter point in a matter of twenty-four hours. Okay. Um, and and then the other the other risk, though, Brian. I know we we talk about this a lot. Is that even if the Fed does follow through? Yep. What everybody and investors, economists are are going to be listening for are the Fed chair's comments ah, yes. following that announcement, and whether or not they are still going to be dovish, 
meaning potential for Leaning further rate cutting. cuts. Because what did you tell me the chances were of another rate cut in September? Fifty nine percent. It's called okay. fifty nine points. It's about sixty percent. So six six out of four chance that they're going to cut a quarter mm-hmm. this July and then cut another quarter in September. So you're saying that if uh, Jerome Powell comes out and makes some comments that scares the market that maybe they're not going to do the second rate cut, that they're going to be more cautious that could cause rates to actually go up. So weirdly, exactly. Uh, you know what my dad always said, a bird in the hand is worth two in the bush. I that's think right. that's the uh, sure thing. The sure yeah. thing. Take the sure thing. When presented with uh, options, take the sure thing. All right, when we come back, I've got a story about a person getting divorced needs to refinance and debating whether they should go with the 15 year or the 30. We'll cover that when we come back. You're listening to the Acunet Mortgage and Realty Show on Wisconsin's radio station, WTMJ. Getting you through the home buying process. Welcome back to the AccuNet Mortgage and Realty Show with Brian Wickert on WTMJ. All right. Welcome back to the AccuNet Mortgage and Realty Show here this morning with Jerry Circatich. Thanks for uh, filling in here as the yes. guest co-host, Jerry. Appreciate it. So uh, one of the calls I took this week it was from a relative of a multi-time past client. That's why it pays to stay in business for 20 years, Jerry. <laughs> yes. You have this accumulation of goodwill, and people think you do a good job, and then they send their friends and neighbors and family members to you. And so, unfortunately, this person, it was a woman, was getting uh, divorced and hopes to have things wrapped up in August. And she's going to need to, um, she owns, she and her ex, future ex-husband own the current, primary residence free and clear. So she called and said, I need to take some cash out to settle up with my ex, maybe $130,000 to $150,000. All right, so normally when you do a refinance, folks, if if you're taking cash out, the mortgage world says, ooh, that's riskier. Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac assess a risk penalty to the pricing when you take cash out. So, Jerry, is there a workaround in this divorce situation? Indeed there is. And when... When taking cash out or increasing yep. your mortgage amount mm-hmm. in order to satisfy the terms of the divorce uh, action mm-hmm. or divorce mm-hmm. filing, meaning an equity payout or an equalization payment, yeah. as long as the amount of the mortgage uh, increase does not exceed what the divorce decree or marital settlement agreement calls for, okay, then that loan, even though increasing the lo- first mortgage amount, even though can we're literally be, taking cash out, can be considered. What's called a rate in term refinance a or no cash refund. out. All right. No cash out. So we're going to make uh, take advantage of that. And I think the other requirement is just still true that from the closing table, all the money has got to go directly to the ex-boss. That is correct. It cannot pass through the hands of our borrower in this and, case. And, and, the, and the borrower yeah. in this case, whichever spouse, cannot receive a dollar more not, not at a closing right. than, than right. that amount. Nothing. Okay. So in this particular case... Um, that's good news for our borrower. And so the first thing I did right away, which many of our loan consultants do, is I say, are you at a computer right now? Yes, I am. Go to acunet.com. Click on the join a meeting uh, link in the upper uh, right-hand corner. And in less than 30 seconds, she was looking at my computer screen. Mm -hmm. And then as typically goes, well, what kind of a loan are you thinking about? And definitely a 10 or a 15 year fix because I own the home free and clear and I don't want to blah, blah, blah. Okay, well, let me show you what the payment is. Gulp. (laughs) Because you're paying so much principal with every payment. I think it was around $1,600. She said, that's a lot more than I was expecting. I said, well, okay. My next question, which I'm sure you might have thought of too, or any one of our practicing consultants would be, well, how long are you planning to keep the home? 
Right. Well, only like three or four years until my daughter's out of uh, high school. Okay, great. Let me show you a 30-year fixed rate. Oh, that payment was $350, much more in line with what she had in mind. And and then I said, okay, so now let's look at the 3.99% where Acunet is paying all of your closing costs, all of your loan costs. Uh, the APR is like 4.01. Okay, versus here's a lower rate, 3.875, and then you're going to have to pay the $1,188 of loan costs for the appraisal yeah. credit report closing. The APR on that, Jerry, was only like 3.95. So if you're shopping according to the APR, which one would you take? Well, that's the low. That's lower than the, the 4.01. Yeah. But here's the problem. The payment difference was only $5.11. So the real question became, should you incur, even though she's not going to write out a check, because remember, the objective is to give the ex-spouse $150,000, so we actually had to increase the loan amount by 1184 bucks to go with the lower rate. This, it would take her 19 and a half years of lower monthly payments to recoup paying those $1,188 of closing costs. Absolutely a yeah. no-brainer in favor. And yet people wouldn't understand that quite so clearly, I don't think, if we hadn't had it right in front of her. You know, in black and or in color, in living color, right? Just like the moonwalk was one of the yeah. first things in living color. So she caught on quickly, and uh, and yet still couldn't quite move forward. I got a couple other comments about that particular situation that we'll yes. cover, along with Jerry's got some really good information on the impact of credit scores mm-hmm. that we're going to cover yes. when we come back. Helping you find a place to call home. This is the AccuNet Mortgage and Realty Show with Brian Wickert on WTMJ. So one other comment about that uh, divorce situation was because she wanted to get the cash in August, and here we are mid, you know, July. I'm yes. like, I really think we should, you know, get your credit report and start the ball rolling here because you need the money. Well, I'm not so sure. I kind of want to wait till the things finalize. I'm like. You know, the other thing that sometimes happens to people, and we're going to talk about credit scores next. Yes. The number one biggest surprise for people is, oh, my gosh, I didn't know about that $42 medical collection that just took my credit score from 780 down to 680. And that can happen and does. Can (laughs) and does happen. Routinely, we go, well, yeah, you thought your score was rock solid? Mm, No, sorry, it's uh, pretty low. Um, And then the other thing was, you know, just, hey, let's let's secure the rate and get rolling. She just wasn't quite comfortable. So I said, okay, you know, I want you to know what your options are. You know, you don't have to lock in the loan amount. I know that's still uncertain. You don't have to even lock in the interest rate if you don't want to. So that's what we're going to do. We're just going to send out disclosures floating the interest rate. Hopefully, um, maybe she'll change her mind. Okay, so t- talk to us a little bit about credit scores, Jerry. How, what what does it mean? Hey, so what if my credit score is 680 instead of 760? What kind of an impact can that have on a person's monthly payment? Right. Got some, I think, uh, good information that most all of our listeners uh, will relate to yeah. and, and will be able to use. And just by the way, on that topic of the, the floating rate, yeah. you, as you said, you, we hope, and we'll hope what we said a few minutes earlier, that the Fed does what they're Expected saying they're going to do and, and don't come out and, and say something different for right. future we, we hope that meetings. the foot draggers will not be penalized. Right, right. So, so yeah, so what, what is a good credit score? I'm going to say 760. Indeed. That, that is really kind of the benchmark or threshold, I should say. Where you're at or above that, you're getting the best of, of most all options. 
that are available yep. in mortgage lending. Although if I'm putting 20% down, is there any difference between 740? And it goes in 20% brackets. So from 740 to 759, is that any different? It is not. Okay. You're correct. So, right. so as long as you're at 7, if, with a 20% equity position, okay. at 740 or higher, you're getting That's the best the of best. all. But when, when does the 760 become the queen of clubs? Well, when you're above 80% loan oh. of value, or, or in other words, less than 20% equity in some cash out, uh, scenarios. refinance scenarios, okay. which we just talked about, because oh, yeah. there's the penalty for cash out, uh, and then for mortgage insurance, private mortgage ah, insurance. That's where the rub comes. So In, hit me with the what's the best case? Seven sixty. What do you got cooked up there? Well, seven sixty, for example, on a ten uh, percent uh, down payment. Okay, ten percent buying, buying a single family home. Yeah, ten percent down. The mortgage insurance. If you're at seven sixty or higher, the yeah. monthly private mortgage insurance premium. $42 per month. Wow. What purchase price? Uh, that would be at a, a two, roughly 265000 Okay. So loan amount close to 240000 <laughs> All right. That happens to be very close to the uh, median sales price. All right. So cool. Yes. All right. So so only 42 bucks a month. And what rate do you have? What's the total payment you're looking at there? Right yeah. now, that uh, and a, a 3.875, 30-year okay. fixed rate yep. with the 760 score. Uh, just taking, I, I excluded uh, property taxes okay. and home so insurance just, just because them, that's real variable. Sure, sure. So Mortgage taking, insurance plus the principal and interest. What are you looking correct. at? Correct. That's eleven seventy one. All right, eleven seventy one. And now what? Give me this. If you're six eighty, yeah, I do. At six eighty, that. Private mortgage insurance premium jumps to one hundred fourteen dollars. Oh my gosh, seventy bucks! And what about the rate? The interest rate to maintain the same no Closing points. Costs, uh, yeah. Yep, and eleven hundred eighty-eight dollars in total costs. Yeah, the rate moves to four point two five percent. Okay, so total and that that by the way would yeah that's uh, APR four point five seven eight. Okay, a little higher because of the mortgage, mortgage insurance. insurance built in there. What's the total of the two together? I'm the total that. of the two. Twelve ninety five, one thousand two hundred ninety five dollars. So that's a difference of a hundred and twenty four bucks. So that's what it means to have a six eighty credit score versus a seven sixty or higher with ten percent down. That's a lot of money. That's like ten percent of the mortgage payment. Correct. Now, do we have uh, yeah. how much time uh, do we have? Let me look at the clock here. Uh, yeah, give me one more, and then we got to take a break. Okay. Well, you know, because now let's just we'll spend just a couple of minutes on. You know what makes up a credit score? How oh. can you improve your score? Oh yeah. Uh, you know the the five. There's five elements that make up your FICO score. And by the way, there is more than one FICO score. There are a lot that of people think my FICO score is but, one thing. But but you have three FICO scores. And you know what we're gonna do? We're gonna since this is a good topic, the three FICO scores and the five things that go into it. We are gonna take a break right now. And we'll All cover right. that when we come back. You're listening to the Acunet Mortgage and Realty Show on AM six twenty WTMJ. Expert advice on buying a home. Here's more of the AccuNet Mortgage and Realty Show with Brian Wickert on WTMJ. All right, we're back. Brian Wickert here with Jerry Circatich, Senior Vice President, Senior Loan Consultant. Not senior citizen yet, but uh, you do qualify for ARP because you are over 50. Indeed. All right, so uh, we're going to talk about credit scores and what can mess them up. But before we talk about messing them up and fixing them, what are the major elements that go into your FICO score? Which, I'm going to say one other thing, is not the same FICO score that you get from Credit Karma. Correct. That is like the training wheels uh, FICO score. And usually the ones that lenders use are a little lower. Not always, but sometimes. Correct. What are the five elements, Jer? All right, five elements. Payment history, number one. 
So how you pay back your debts matters? Yeah, kind of goes without saying, but but important nonetheless. So that makes up 35%. That's the largest, it makes up the largest percentage of your, of your FICO score. score. The That's most right. heavy thing. And I would like to point out that if you're late 30 days, well, let me say this. If you're late on a payment 90 days, that's worse than 60 mm-hmm. days late, which is worse than 30. Correct. All right. So it kind of goes in how late you were and how many times you were late. And how recent. Oh, so recency matters. Recency right. matters as well. So payment history is factor number one. Factor Not surprising. One. What's number two? Credit utilization. Ah, yes. And that, that means mean? that if you have a credit card account, that's the most common example. Yep. You have a credit card account, the credit utilization would be the amount of your balance owed in relation to the line limit All right, or the so amount if I have a t- that you can, you can take out. If I have a $10,000 limit on my credit card, what's problematic and what's okay? Well, the, the greater the percentage owed against that $10,000 limit. So the worst case scenario is you owe $10,000. I owe $10,100. I'm overdrawn. Correct. Okay. That is going to put the most uh, downward pressure on your credit scores. All right. And, and by the way, this... Um, Credit utilization makes up thirty percent okay. of your score, so just under the payment history. And what what helps take some of that pressure off? Do I have to get it all the way down to zero? Yeah. What what the FICO experts say is thirty percent utilization is is where you're going to uh, what, what's going to result in the best possible score. Thirty percent or lower. Thirty percent or lower of of utilization. So in other words, the ten thousand dollar credit limit you mentioned, Brian. You'd want to make sure your 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 balance owed stays at or below three thousand dollars. Gotcha. And we were just talking before we came back about a first time home buyer couple, uh, both teachers, where uh, the, the second borrower um, had a five hundred dollar limit on a credit card and had a three hundred dollar balance. For those of you who can't do math in your head, that is a sixty percent utilization. Mm-hmm. That put her credit score at like 679. And again, because she didn't have many other credit cards available. That was like her one and only credit card. So we have these cool tools at Academic Mortgage where David went in and he did the what if simulator. And he said, you know, if you pay down that whopping $300 balance to zero, your credit score is going to go up 75 points. Wow. She did it. And then the, why that mattered was what you were just talking about in the previous segment. The cost of their monthly PMI went way, way, way down. Right. So and there's a real-life example. A real-life example and something that was so simple, innocent. simple and innocent like, and simple to manage. I and mean, who would think, though, that having a $300 balance on your credit card would affect your credit score that much? Right. It does. So, so the other thing that she could do or, or maybe has would be to, contact that credit card company and request a right. an increase, increase in, in the, the line in limit. The limit. The That's limit. a good solution. We were talking again off the air. So if you had $6,000 on a $10,000 card where you're getting hurt right. by carrying that, what else could you do? Well, I think we would all say best case scenario is always try to pay the balance down. Okay. But when, when that's not possible... Uh, you're better off if you have a six, if you owe $6,000 in credit card uh, Debt. balance rather than carry that on a $10,000 uh, credit card, yep. you'd be better off applying for and opening up a second card okay. and shifting 50% of that balance to that ah, other card. So okay. in other words, if you get had, another $10,000 card, exactly. If you have two $10,000 cards with $3,000 balances, mm-hmm. that is going to help 
elevate your score much more because now you have a 3,000 or 30 percent utilization. utilization on each card. All right, so 30 percent is magical. 50 percent is magical. Get those cards paid down, you the, know. And just to piggyback on the uh, the example you used with the the three hundred dollar balance, and she didn't have much other you know yeah. credit. Credit um, the length of credit history and number of accounts yes. is also a factor, and so this is a good time to remind people that when you have a credit card that may be a zero balance or you paid it off and you think I'm never going to use this again, I think the most people think oh, I'm just going to close that account. Yeah, close that. Do out. not do that. Do not what that it, the, it, to have a credit card that you've had for three, four, five, or yeah. even ten or fifteen years, even if you're not using it is going to serve to help, again, elevate your score. Because, because you have a long track record. Long track record and access to more credit. Okay, so it's both the length of history that helps you and the fact, length of positive history. Right. And then also the accessibility, the headroom. All right, right. good information. Hey, when we come back from this final break in the show, let's let's talk about... Uh, kind of back to this topic of, hey, 15-year versus 30, should I pay my mortgage off quickly or slowly? We'll cover that when we come back. You're listening to the Accident Mortgage and Realty Show on AM620 WTMJ. Important home buying questions and answers you can count on. This is the Accident Mortgage and Realty Show with Brian Wickert on WTMJ. And also with Jerry Circuitich today. Uh, and you know what? We've got, we've got to come up with the other uh, three things that impact your credit score quickly, Jerry. Right. Yeah, let's just wrap up. We talked about the two that, that have the most impact. Mm-hmm. And that, again, is payment history at 35% of your uh, FICO score, credit utilization making up 30%, length of credit history, which we just touched on. And that, again, meaning don't close out those old credit card accounts mm-hmm. that have a zero balance. That makes up for 15% of your mm-hmm. score. Okay. And then new credit, and and they're careful to say here you know, they don't encourage people to just go out and, and open take up. out open up multiple just for no reason, right. but but to do so on a on a measured pace, you know, occasionally, to until you till you reach a mix where you have at least a, a handful of three four, uh, I think that's what we see most. Uh, in most cases, where you, you we wanna, have a good high credit score, people have, and you don't have too thin of a a, a credit file, file meaning right. you, know, you only have one account reporting. Right. Okay. Um, so have you know have have a few credit cards open. What else does it like to see? And and again, just and that only makes up ten percent of your oh. of your credit score, so it's not not a big factor. And then the final uh, piece is credit mix, and again, this only makes up ten percent. Okay. So the, credit mix meaning you have a, a mix of installment type debt, car loans, okay. mortgage loans. Student loans and uh, and revolving debt, which is that credit card debt. So you know, I now that I'm thinking about it, I have a transaction going on right now for a dad, and, and the reason why we can't have the daughter as the primary borrower is because she um, doesn't have any credit history. Hmm. You know, she's led a sheltered credit life, and so the way to build that up is to uh, get the young people to have a car loan. Hey, I don't care if it's even a $500 car loan or a 1000 or $1,200 with a, you know, whatever the minimum is, you want to build up that track record. Right. Because somebody once told me or gave the analogy that FICO scoring is like the Patriot missile system. It's trying to predict where that missile is going to be in order to shoot it out of the sky. It's predictive modeling, and the only way it can tell where the missile is going is based on where it's been. Yes. So if you don't have a track record that the FICO scoring model can utilize to predict where you're going relative to your credit, 
I can't come up with a decent score. Well, but yeah, here it says people with no credit cards tend to be viewed as a higher risk than those who have managed credit cards responsibly. There you go. It's allowing them to to do just that yeah. and do better predicting. And you don't have to carry a balance, right? It's You can just use a credit card and pay it off in full every month. Correct. Yeah, so you, you could know. just use it to buy gas each month and just pay, pay it, it off, off every month. Yeah, Because it doesn't matter if you've charged $20 a month on that card yeah. or $2,000 a month on the card. It's, it's, it's still going to provide the, exactly right, and and, the, and you need more data points to convince the FICO scoring model that you're a good credit risk. Bigger track correct. record, longer track record, is better. All right, and one other thing I just looked up while we were on the last break because we do have a change that's taking effect tomorrow, and that is the maximum income amount allowable under Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac's awesome affordable housing thirty-year fixed-rate loans. Um, Fannie Mae's program is called Home Ready, and Freddie Mac's is called Home Possible. So it it used to be that you could earn up to seventy seven thousand three hundred dollars, and uh, in the southeastern Wisconsin five counties, that is lowering down to sixty five thousand eight hundred and forty dollars. So literally, if you make sixty six thousand mm-hmm. dollars, you will not qualify for this special pricing which is really awesome. And so we're sorry that Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac has decided to tighten up their purse strings and allow fewer Americans to participate in their special low and moderate income program. But that's the way it is. But at least now we know what the new maximum dollar amount is in southeastern Wisconsin is 65840 not a penny more right. to qualify for the special. It's a hard stop. That's a, a hard stop. That's right. And that is soon in September. That's also going to be the hard stop for WIDA, Wisconsin Housing and Economic Development Authority. So they got a couple months more pr- reprieve, but uh, that restriction is coming. And much more yeah. painful because you used to be able to make up to 111000 and still qualify yes. for WIDA. Now that's going to, well, not quite drop in half, but quite a bit. All right, so we do not have time to talk about my other 15-year versus 30 issue. We'll save that for next week. All right. Um, But the takeaways I'd say from today's show are, A, don't wait uh, to lock in a rate. I mean, you can, but you are taking a little bit of risk because the entire world believes right now that the Federal Reserve of the United States is going to cut rates on July 31st by a quarter, not by a half. They've basically said exactly what they're going to do and if what they're do not your, going to do. If you do your risk-reward analysis, I, I, I think There's no reward. That's right. The risk is greater than the reward. That's right. So then, in, you know, when, when you're faced with that kind of decision, take the burden ahead. Uh, the other thing is that housing is expensive, more expensive than it was in 1969 when man first walked on the moon. It's more expensive than it was in 1999 um, when Accident Mortgage opened its doors. But we're doing everything we can to keep that cost as low as possible, especially right. the closing cost. If you want to get started with a rock-solid guaranteed pre-approval to buy your next home, by the way, now's a good time to do it. All you got to do to get started is click on the blue button. And it's also a great time to get a no Social Security number required refi checkup and save money starting now instead of later. That's all we've got. We'll see you next week. You've been listening to the Accident Mortgage and Realty Show on AM620 WTMJ. The proceeding was a paid program. Advice and opinions expressed during the Acunet Mortgage and Realty Show are solely that of the hosts or guests of Acunet Mortgage and Acunet Realty Advisors and not WTMJ Radio or Good Karma Brands Milwaukee, LLC.